Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast to be described as hipster. I'm not explaining that one. It's Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. We've got the usual two, Mike Pellucci, Dave Dufour. How are you gents doing today? Fantastic. Good, but Dave's Dave's in LA by the beach, so I think Dave's the real winner here. Oh, yeah, except for, uh, you know, dealing with the time issue and then having to sprint two miles back to uh, make the recording. Outside of that, yeah, yeah. living the life. Once I catch my breath, everything's going to be great. (laughs) Okay, so I was actually going to kick it to Dave. We need you to talk for like a 10-minute monologue right now. You ready? (laughs) Well, guys, I I think that it's very important (laughs) at at this juncture of the NBA regular season when we're in the doldrums for us to take solace in this particular season and the amazing playoff races that we're getting in both conferences, but in particular, the race for the four seed in the Western Conference, where, of course, Luka Doncic has just pulled off the absurd, I would dare say, the unimaginable. By this is, this is Kevin this Foster last team. night at the Oscars where they I'm, told him you need a filibuster to chill the room out a little bit. <laughs> I'm, Sorry, I'm, I'm going to slap him after this, good at this. So. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, very convincing. It was very convincing. Let's yeah. talk about the week that was. Uh, we're going to talk about playoff matchups, uh, things that can happen in the standings. There's a lot of things that can happen in the standings. Uh, less so now that we're you know seven or eight games remaining. But there's a there's a few things I want to detail. But first, let's just talk about the week that was because it's an, it was important. You know, me and Mike were talking a little bit before. Well, Dave was sprinting to his hotel room to make this uh-huh. recording. Me and uh, me and Mike were talking that. If this week went wrong for the Mavericks, they legitimately could be in contention to fall into the playoff, uh, into the play in. Man, that's confusing. The playoff, the play in. It's not that confusing. Like it makes it makes logical sense. But like I'm calling them all confusing for me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so so the Mavericks have have this big game against the the Timberwolves and it ends up being two of them. Really? Yeah, they they have two. I was I was getting there. I was getting there. So the, so the first one, it was a 110-108 win. It felt like the Mavericks more or less had control of it the whole way. It did not feel as close as it was. Also, I think there's a last-second shot that, you know, pushed the score a little bit closer together. Then they beat the Rockets, struggled just a tiny bit in the in the first half, but convincingly uh take them out in the in the second half. They do lose one to the Timberwolves. Uh that was last Friday. And then they beat the Utah Jazz, although it's a skeleton of the Utah Jazz. They didn't have uh, Bogdanovich or, crucially, Rudy Gobert or any other center on their roster. Uh, but they beat them, 114-100. That was another game where it felt really convincing. Uh, it took about a half, maybe, to get there. But at no point was I thinking, oh, the Mavericks are really going to blow this. Like It just seemed inevitable that they were going to march back, march into a, a fairly sust- you know sustainable lead something around double digits, and then just maintain that to the end. And that's about what they did. I think it's a good week. It's an important week. Like you were saying, Mike, they're, I, I would say I, after the past few months of this team, I did not fear that they were going to botch this week and actually end up in the play-in scenario, race, whatever you want to call it. But it, 
it's still important. It's important to acknowledge the fact that they had a important week. They had four games and they needed to win like three of the four. That's exactly what they did. And when you talk about a young team that is growing and developing, a team that needs to has been learning how to win. This is another small but important step in that direction. And that's exactly what the Mavericks did. Yeah, and I mean, it, we can we can tee Dave up to have the young team winning to learn conversation because this is this is his bag, this is his wheelhouse. But I think the main thing is just that they are barring something surprising. You don't have to worry about them dropping the, into the playing games anymore because at this point, it's it's yeah, almost they're there. out of the question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you know, Phoenix did them a favor in between the two games that they played, and then the Celtics basically Minnesota lost three or four last week. That sort of chains them to that seventh seed or lower. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. I think it's very crucial that uh, they get to this four seed, not just for the obvious, of course, you don't want to be playing at Utah four times, but very quietly, Dallas is now 18 uh, and four in their last 22 home games. They have turned the American Airlines Center to a very scary place to play. They are just very tough to beat there. So that has been huge. Um, I guess, you know, as far as what I take from the past week, it's, you know, and I'll, I'll turn over to Dave here because he's coached and he, he can have this dialogue better than we can, but it just feels like, look, they play Minnesota. It's not like they're more talented. I mean, we talked about this, you know, last week past their top guy. I think Minnesota's roster is maybe more talented than Dallas, uh, but they won that game, you know, a, a skeleton Utah team still it's formidable. Dallas wins that game without breaking much of a sweat. They just, you know, time and again, they're not the most talented team that they're playing, but they just get it done because they know how to play. And this is where I, I've said this before. I, I love Memphis's core past John Morant much more than I love Dallas's core past Luka Doncic. But for this year, if they're playing in the playoffs, I'll take Dallas. I really think Dallas knows how to win in a way Memphis hasn't learned to just yet. Um, and that's that's crucial, man. They find ways to get stuff done. That has not been the case in the last couple of years, necessarily the way that it is right now, because they know who they are. And they have enough role players that they just get stuff done. And, you know, it helps me have one of the five best guys in the NBA. You put that together, uh, we hear this cliche stuff all the time. It's obnoxious when you hear this whole Dallas is the team nobody wants to play. And what the hell does that mean? Well, what the hell it means is that when you have somebody who could take over a series like Luka Doncic and a bunch of role players who don't try to do anything more than what they do and facilitate that, and they've been through some wars and they don't crack in the fourth quarter – that's what that means. That means that you have the best guy in the series in any series you're going to play in the Western Conference except Denver. Any other series they play, they got the best guy. They have dudes who don't try to do anything more than what they are and players who can handle pressure. That's why nobody wants to play Dallas, even if Dallas isn't getting the most talented team in most of the series they might play. Yeah, having the best guy in any given series is that's a huge advantage. And I actually want us to circle back before we talk about like how they've learned to win. I want to circle back a little bit to the end of last season and the knocks on Luka Doncic not lifting the guys around him, which is just such a, a bullshit argument because who the hell was around him? Sorry, was- Dorian Finney-Smith wasn't this good. Maxi wasn't playing this well defensively. Uh, uh, Dwight Powell wasn't this good last year. They didn't have Spencer Dinwiddie. They didn't have Reggie Bullock. I mean... Now he's it's code for Christoph Porzingis. That's what the and, argument was last year. And and none of us thought this trade was going to work out because we thought it was going to be two broken guys for one broken guy. Well, Spencer Dinwiddie, you look at his look at his shooting splits. It's a different yeah. player. And in part of that is probably because he's getting to play with Luca. But now there's some freaking guys out there. 
They're learning to win in ways that don't involve Luka scoring 45 points. That's the, that's the key to this team right now. There are other guys able to make plays, both you know shooting the ball, which Reggie Bullock has just been. The reason yeah. that they've won some of these games the last few weeks has been Reggie Bullock, defensively yeah. and hitting threes. But you get some guys around him, and all of a sudden, there's some confidence. The levels are, are higher. And then when Luka puts up 30, it's not a 50-50 anymore. It's a cherry on top. Right. It's a big difference. You know, they were winning games where he has five assists, man. That just wasn't going to happen last season. Can I talk about something I've been harping on uh, the past few days? I wrote about this uh, on Monday and on Friday uh, in a couple articles on The Athletic, if y'all have heard of it. Um, Teams are switching way more against the Mavericks. I think they will continue to. Utah switched everything. Now, Utah did that because they had no centers. Sure. It was the reasonable way to play. I still believe that switching everything is probably the way that most opponents in the playoffs will default to playing the Mavericks. I think one of the big reasons why is a direct compliment to the role players. Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock are destructive corner three-point shooters. Dorian Finney-Smith has his career high. Uh, he's, he's about 44%. I, I think he's top 10, maybe top five in, in makes and attempts in the league this season from the corner. Last season, it was weird. He he spaced out above the break a lot more, probably because he was one of the few players who was making it, and, and you had to kind of shuttle your worst shooter, shooters like Josh Richardson and Maxi Kleba into that corner. But and, and he actually hit a decent number. He's, he's a little bit down on above the break threes. But he is lethal from the corners, and teams are realizing a few things, and one of them is that they just cannot afford to leave those guys open. The combination of Bullock and one, and Finney Smith and the other. And because Luca, obviously it starts with Luca, and Luca is so good at breaking down, at you know, passing through and over to the right place anytime you try to trap him. Uh you know, but but if 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 you do that, if you let the roll man go, you have to you have to pinch off of those corner shooters. And and that's where all those shot attempts come from. So, you know, I was asking Dorian Finney Smith uh, you know, today at practice actually, uh on, on Monday. We're recording Monday night. Uh, you know, I was asking him, how do you stay involved if, if people just aren't going to leave you? And is that a testament to your game? And he kind of laughed at that. He, he wasn't he wasn't trying to brag on himself too much in that sense. But, you know, I, I do think, you know, he talked about, you know, cutting more and more movement and, and just, you know, finding ways to get involved just to touch the ball here and there. But but I do think that is also something that we can talk about even in a broader sense is that, you know, the Mavericks are in 29 isolations against Utah on Sunday. Uh, they average about eight. There's going to be a lot a lot more iso ball because that's what the defenses are going to give the Mavericks. And I asked Jason Kidd about that as well. And I was like, you know, stylistically or systematically, do you try to shy away from that or do you just embrace it? And that's kind of like what your choice is. If teams are going to switch everything, the way you play that, the way you beat that is to just go at the best, you know, the worst defender, the one that you want to pick on the most. And we know Luca can do that. And we know Jalen can do that to an extent. And we know that Spencer also gives you another look, another type of player to attack downhill when the ball swings to him. And that's important. And uniquely with Spencer, uniquely with Spencer Dinwiddie on the switch, especially when he gets a big, he is not looking to settle for the three. He is trying to push and press and get to the basket. And he's opening up stuff for those deadly corner shooters and for the kickouts back up top to Luca, whose three ball has looked so good all year. You know what I mean? Like this is, um, this is a different 
basketball team completely. And so when, when we were talking about them figuring out ways to win, it's because they now have more options to win. There are just more things they can do. They got more guys that can do stuff. It's funny how that works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if if teams weren't scared of the shooters, they, they would just play more traditional coverages. So that's, that's how this point came up from. And I, I, so, so it is both a testament to the role players and also just an overarching, let's, let's think about this and and just be, just be, expect to see this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we talk about Reggie Bullock, you know, Tim already put some numbers to what Dorian Finney-Smith is doing since Tim Hardaway went down. That's 21 games ago from January 26th. Bullock is shooting 39% from three on eight attempts a game. If you were worried about Reggie Bullock based on what he looked like the first couple months of Dallas, let us free you from those concerns. We all have enough stress in our lives. You don't have to worry about Reggie Bullock anymore. The guy is good. The guy is doing everything that they signed him to do. And, you know, to you guys' point, I think it's important to mention that, yes, they have more ways to win, but it's also, you know, we talked last year about, you know, Dave mentioned last year, well, who is Luca? This whole bullshit argument about, well, who's Luca making better when it really was code for Christoph Porzingis and what Porzingis was doing or not doing. You know, everybody here, nobody's going into business for themselves. And I don't mean that derogatorily towards Porzingis, because if you're Christoph Porzingis and you are being paid max money and you are told when you're brought into this organization that you're going to be a key pillar alongside Luca to build it, you probably have a right to think, you know what, I should get some touches for myself and I should do my thing. But it doesn't change the fact that they have ways to score and ways to do things, but it's do things now with this new roster, but it's all in line and streamlined under this main vision versus before it was, well, if things aren't working, I guess just give Porzingis the ball and maybe Porzingis does stuff. Or, you know, the yin and yang of Tim Hardaway Jr., which is Tim many times, and especially in those Clippers series, when a lot of players disappeared, Tim Hardaway wouldn't. And he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for that because the guy makes things happen on a team that wasn't having a lot of guys after Luka Doncic make things happen. But there was also a lot of moments when Tim would break the offense and Tim would monopolize the ball and Tim would do things. And, you know, sometimes he wins you games and sometimes he shoots you out of games. We have, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's been here a month and a half. We could see the bad version of Spencer Dinwiddie at some point. But right now, like we talked about last week, Spencer Dinwiddie is doing exactly the stuff they want him to do. Jalen Brunson is doing exactly the stuff they want him to do. Luka does whatever Luka wants to do. And it all fits. So it's not just that you have guys who could play ISO, three different players to varying degrees, is that they're playing ISO within exactly what Dallas wants them to do versus here's Tim just controlling five minutes of possessions and God knows what's going to happen. Or here's Porzingis saying, yeah, I know what you want to do spacing-wise, but I'm going to do this because this is how I get mine. Those guys are very good players, and you can make an argument that Tim in particular, if he were healthy, which it doesn't seem like he's going to be this year, but if he were, he could still add another dimension, another shooter that they could use because teams could always use more shooting. But this just feels like it all fits and it makes sense and everybody gets it. And that's as big as just the individual skill sets. Everybody understands that it is working sort of in harmony to this bigger concept that Jason Kidd wants. I mean, the NBA is all about having more guys that can do stuff than the other guy or having the best guy doing stuff. And they now have an opportunity to have not just the best guy doing something that night, but also more guys who can do stuff than the other team. And that's different than last year. And, you know, I know that's such a simplified way of looking at it, but that is basketball playing. And and then they can play on the defensive end. That's the thing that was, that was missing from this team. You know, when, with the offense last year, the, you know, the historic offense, the defense just could not, it, it couldn't tread water 
against some of the better competition. And now not only can they tread water, I dare say they can they can blow up opposing offensive plans. I mean, you know, Boston is not a world beater offensively, but they have beaten the world the last few months. And Dallas was right there with them blow for blow and winds up winning the game on a last minute shot. But they were able to hang in that game because of their defense, because that was an ugly offensive game. Dallas would have gotten blown out last year, and this year they had it. I mean, it's just a different basketball team. I, I do think what? that we've seen that their defense is outside of the top five in, in, in the past few weeks. One thing I was going to dive into uh, as I'm writing another article for later this week is kind of looking at opposing three-point percentages. I, I do know that when they had their best stretch, when they were the best defense in the league for like two months— they definitely had a lot of help also from opposing three-point percentages. That's sure. one of those things that analytics generally understands that teams have a little bit of control over it, but largely it's it's kind of random what teams shoot against you. Um, and, and, I, and I do think that, again, they just don't have, they're not always going to have the personnel to be a top five team. But right. clearly they've built up a system and a structure and a very clear understanding and identity about how to play. Uh, you know, I've even talked to, I think I've talked on this podcast about, you know, their, their specific Xing ideas and in the way that a lot of the times the way they're rotating on the weak sides or scrambling in defense, you're not going to the play, player nearest to you. You're going to someone else. And then you're, you know, your teammates going to be behind you closing out uh, to the, you know, say the corner shooter. Um, it, it's, it's a hard concept to explain on a podcast without like kind of showing, but I know he's talked Franco actually for, for D did a really good, uh, piece on it. Uh, we can probably link that. Um, I've, I've talked to the players and I've asked them like, was that an adjustment at first? Because it, it does kind of at times go against your, everything you've been taught as a defender is when you see an open player, you close out on him, you go defend him. That is your instinct as a defensive player. And there are times that the Mavericks are asking their players, to you know, under like see the open player, know that their teammate is already closing out to that person, and instantly be sprinting out to the other guy. And they have spent so much time behind the scenes and practices drilling this stuff. You know the way the way it's been described by a couple people is that like Sean Sweeney, the the defensive coordinator, has been a a broken record, and and he has been like this has been his thing all season. He just keeps saying it and keeps preaching it and and, and teaching it. Um, but it's they've they've all picked up on it. Um, that said, I think they're outside of the top five because they are still missing just a little bit of defensive personnel. And, and, and I think that's still the big concern for the team. We've talked about it, but the, the big man depth, uh, especially if Maxi Kleba is going to be such an offensive liability that he might get forced off the floor. And right now he is, he's, he's in a bad place. He's in, he's in it's bad rough. shape. Like, yeah, send him, send him to Cancun for a week, but. And you're going to have to play against concern. a dominant center, right? Like you're just going to, it's going to be, you're going to have to play maybe, Aiton, you're gonna have to play maybe Jokic. This is to get to the finals, right? Yes. And yes. it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. But I've officially moved them into the. It's not crazy if it happens because Whoa. they have well because they have Luca and because they can defend like this and because we've seen teams get hot, we've seen it happen. Now, I I think Phoenix is the class of the league. I think Phoenix yeah. they should look. There's no reason for them to have just rolled off seven straight wins or whatever they're at right now. There's just no reason for it. They're a wins machine. Now, regular season wins don't necessarily translate to postseason wins, but we just saw them get to the finals. And uh, they, were, they were up I, 2-0 in the finals. Yeah, yeah. I, Phoenix feels like a lock for the finals. But 
Something happens. Dallas gets super hot. Always a chance. There's a, it's a coin flip in some of these series with, with Luka if he's the best player, but not all of them. Well, Luka is Dave. the best series in a, in a player against Phoenix. In a series against Phoenix, Luka is the best player on the court. There's yeah. no disrespect to Chris Paul, who's fantastic. Sure, Devin Booker. Sure. Luka's better. Dave, and I don't want to repeat the exact combo we had last week, but I still am struggling to see how Dallas deals with a truly elite center like Jokic. That's that's right now for the it's first if they round. Catch Jokic. Yeah. That's, yeah that's that. the first concern. And, and let's let's talk playoff scenarios here in, in just a couple minutes. But they'd have to take everything focusing, else away. They'd have to. Like it's their only option. They can't double Jokic. Right. Um or, or you they play have him straight to. up. Honestly, no, honestly, you, have you to probably play him do. straight up. Yeah. Here's what this comes down to. Ultimately, at the end of the day, everywhere Tim is going right now is correct. You can make a whole bunch of logical and basketball reasons why mm-hmm. this team won't get that far. And I tend to err on the side of those. But and I was texting with Kevin O'Connor over the ringer uh, a couple weeks ago. And oh, he was making flex name drop. Flex, Let's yeah, go. Flex, flex. I got friends. I'm going to uh, text him right now. Just yeah, text him and, and verify. Kevin O'Connor with Mike Colucci. Yeah, did you talk to that guy? Mike? But so KOC and I texted about this. And here's the thing. You can make a million logical arguments. And I believe most of them. My, my position with this team has not changed. Win one series and, it's a, and it is a success. But if there is a guy who can do basically a LeBron James in 2007, you know, that first big Cleveland run where just you looked at that supporting cast and you said, it's not that good. They shouldn't get this far, but this is a transcendent generational player just going to the next level, and who the fuck cares at that point? If there's a guy who could do it, it's Luka. There, at any point, Luka could just snap his fingers. Anything is, could be capable of happening, and Luka reaches the next level of Luka, and then you could forget all of your logic and forget all of your matchups because he might just win you two rounds by himself. He is maybe the only guy in the league right now who has those two or three gears he hasn't gotten to yet that you could say, sure, maybe. Right. So that's what this comes down to. We will keep talking this podcast about all the logical reasons why it might not happen. And I err on the side of those logical reasons. But just don't be surprised. In three weeks from now, Luka Doncic says, I don't care about logic anymore. I'm just going to do what I do. One of the best things about this season and part of why I'm so fired up about my job is that I can do this with like four teams. I can make an argument. I, I can sit and come up with a way for Memphis to just blow up because John Morant can get into the paint against everybody, right? Golden State, I can make an argument. Steph comes back, he's great. This is this is my favorite NBA season since I've been covering the league. Hands down. There's so much parity. Now, is it also related to the fact that LeBron's probably going to miss the playoffs? I don't know. Maybe. A little bit. I'm enjoying the LeBron not being the center of attention here. But part of that is because there's so much parity. I mean, in the West... I think Phoenix is is they're the overwhelming favorites to not only make yeah. the finals but to win the title. I think they are just solid, yeah. so solid, top to bottom. But the next few teams, I mean, Memphis is above the pack to me. Golden State has dropped down to the same level as Denver and Dallas for me. I, Utah's fake; they're a paper tiger. They're, it's over. I, I'm just I'm out on Utah. 
I'm done even <laughs> pretending that they have a chance, like, which is part of my it's, job because I host city. game notes. It's a bad city. Don't listen to the I'm, team I'm, on the Jazz podcast. He's gonna. By the way, I'm going to Salt Lake next week, and so please, if you're listening, I'm so uh, sorry. You're a Jazz fan. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, let's just keep but, the, We just know what this is. It's over. It's over. But I think that Dallas. I think Dallas just they have a chance because they have Luka Doncic, and this year they actually have a basketball team. And can Dwight I, can Powell, I, listen, Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba, we can knock them. We can knock them. And Maxi has been shooting like dog shit. It has been awful. But they've been doing okay. They're not going to win you many games, but they've been doing okay. And if they can tread water, man, that gets them a long way. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. To say something just a tiny bit heretical, and I did not come into this podcast planning to say this. I just think, I think to frame it right, I think that you guys are 100% right. And that is absolutely who Luca could be, is that he just wins you two series. I don't think it's guaranteed he is going to be like, he's going to be incredible. He is going to be so effing good in this postseason. Uh, he's still not, might not be quite that. Good. Sure. Until, no, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. until, he until he's back at his athletic, like the part of, part of what we're, you know, it's, it's remarkable. He's this good, you know, even that he's not yeah. at his athletic peak. And honestly, like he's still not getting to the rim that much. And, yeah. and he may just shoot the Mavericks through two series. He may shoot 45% on a 13 threes a game. Uh, I would, I am a, I've been a Doncic accolade since he came into the league. I do not deny any possibility for this uh, MFR. Like he's a motherfucker. Uh, I also think that it's it's not Takes guaranteed. One to know one, Tim. That is, no, I'm not saying it's guaranteed. I, no, no, no. I know it's not. I, I just wanted to reframe it and say sure. that, is, saying, that is oh, the, yeah. that is that is the ceiling of the Mavericks. Oh, I don't okay. think it's likely. No, okay. Yeah, I mean, you were talking likely. about like oh, it's just guaranteed to happen. Okay, no, no, no. no, like, no. I don't no. think it's guaranteed. It might not even be. To, it's not likely that they win two rounds. It's okay. just right. okay. it's unlikely. Again, I'm just trying to reframe it because that's that's what I was hearing just a little bit. My wildest take is that it's not likely that anybody wins around it all. This year is going to be nuts. We are going to have an upset at some point. The Brooklyn that Nets Nobody's going to win like it around at all. Seed. Okay, that would be... I just mean... That, that like would, I feel like that's pretty right? unlikely. We, I'm just saying, like mathematically, people have to you win can't, that. We can't count on anything this season. I mean, Robert Williams is likely... I think he's done for the yeah. year. Yeah, he's torn meniscus. And Boston was looking... I mean, they've been the best team in basketball. I'd even maybe put them above the Suns because of where their defense has been. I mean, it's just been incredible. And so uh, this is short term, not for the season, right? But short term, yeah. the last two yeah. months, Boston's just been incredible. And now that has changed everything. And and so Milwaukee, they're looking better now that Brooke Lopez is back. They're still shaky without him and, and they've got some stuff to, to sort out. But 
this is the most wide open season that we've seen. And when you have the, the, you know, the ace that you've got, it gives you a chance. And so, yeah, I don't think it's likely that this team that has less talent overall than a lot of other teams, including that they would have to beat. I don't think it's likely at all that they, that they win two series, that they make a conference finals. I think if they win one series and lose the next one, you, you probably take that and you're happy with it. Absolutely. And if you happen to win two and you make the conference finals, wow, holy crap, what a successful season. But if you get to the conference finals, you got a puncher's chance at making the finals. They, they can hang and they're not going to get blown away from a talent perspective by any team because the, the talent is too close for everyone. Even I mean, Phoenix, I think Phoenix, well, they have again. so much. They have a ton of talent, but they're, I don't, I, I think if Golden State is fully healthy, Golden State has. Just sure. as much talent. I mean, I, I just I, I still don't disagree. How to, as much. So, like, but I agree that Phoenix is the the big sticking point. How do they deal with Aiton? How how would you deal with Aiton, Dave? If if as, you're all right, scheming if I'm, for the Mavericks. If I'm the Mavericks dealing with Aiton, I mean, you've got to hope Powell can hold up, and you've got to send the double. I mean, when he goes to get to that jump hook, right? You got to send the double, but then you got to worry about all the shooting they have, right? And it's it's going to be tricky for him. Maybe they switch, man. Maybe they switch. I Maybe mean, it, just it, feels, it feels better to say, Aiton, you can beat us and, and rather than making that bet with uh, Paul and Booker. But just, you guys want to walk. so efficient, though. That's the only You guys want to walk through like, standings real quick? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the Suns are one. Grizzlies are two. Those are like set in stone. Those are locked. Point. Yeah, I mean, the Suns literally are the Grizzlies base. Like, they, they are. Yep. Um, the Mavericks are two games behind, two losses behind the Warriors. The Warriors have a tough schedule. And they have, they're just trying to get everybody back at the right time. They, they're going to lose some more games. Well, uh, they've, they've kind of shut some guys down. Like, they're going to be tanking some games yeah. here, too, because they just don't care. They're resting. There's Clay a really Draymond. good chance the Mavericks could end up at third. If the Mavericks end up at third, I think it's actually pretty likely that Utah falls to, to six. And even that, you know, we've been thinking four, five, four, five, it's going to be Mavericks Jazz. I still think it might be Mavericks Jazz, and it's just a three, six instead. I think that's pretty possible. Which will work there's out a, great for them. Yeah. Right. And I take the, other, the Mavericks in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've, especially if, like one of the reasons I think Utah will keep falling is because I think that they're they're in a bad place. They're also in a bad way right now. I think I think that I think there's a really good chance they fall to six. Could they even fall to seven? That that seems a little bit much. There's three losses between Utah and Minnesota. But yeah, I, 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 I can't see that happening. It, it, it depends on how how bad of a place Utah's in. Um I agree. That's that's also probably a reach. Um, Denver is a game and a half up on Minnesota. I think they maintain that. I, I think if if I had to bet right now, it's going to be the Mavericks as the third seed and Utah as the sixth seed, and that's our first round series. Um, and I think out of the three, Minnesota doesn't worry me either. I, I think in terms yeah. of can the Mavericks beat them? Uh, you know, if I'm analyzing that, I, I feel good about the Mavericks' chances against Minnesota. I, I still. Get a little hung up on Denver, just just a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, up. that doesn't seem fun at all. And, and that's no, a Denver yeah. team that might be getting Michael Porter Jr. back. And so, um, so the scenario where they play Denver is probably that for whatever reason Denver doesn't win a lot and gets six, and the Mavericks get th- three, or a scenario where the Mavericks for whatever reason don't make up those two games. Uh, perhaps they're resting down the stretch and they stay at four. And I think it's in the Mavericks' best interest, no matter who they play, to get to three because that sets you up with Memphis in right. the second round. Yes, the team's not looking that far ahead, but 
you would obviously rather have Memphis than Phoenix. And that sets up your chance at the conference finals if you can get past the first round. Um, it just, you know, you said you can't double Jokic against against Denver. Maybe, um, maybe you do. Maybe you just maybe you just, just let, tricky. Like Bones Highland shoot as many no, things as he wants. I mean, the the problem is it's not just going to be Bones though, right? Because once you get into rotation against Denver, that's when Jokic's powers like supercharge. So yeah. when you send the double, he always finds the open guy, and then you're in scramble mode. This has been the key to his success. This is why he's the MVP. You know, is why he was the MVP last year. Speaking of which, I got the game on, and he just caught a rebound, and uh, Aaron Gordon gets a dunk half a second later at the other end. That's right. really, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you have to deal with 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 Jokic. And I, look, Jokic is to me in the playoffs the most dangerous player because of his right. ability to control the everything about the game and and even on the defensive end where he just still doesn't give it get enough credit this guy has three game saving blocks this season i don't think anybody nobody should want to run into denver and, yeah, and no. if dallas runs into denver their best bet is to just hope dwight with, with his athleticism can just make Jokic work i mean look at kavon looney kavon looney is not anyone's idea of an ideal athlete but he's strong and he puts a heavy body on Jokic and actually defends him really well. I think Dwight Powell could do that with a little bit more pop. It's not going to be as as effective because I don't think he's got the instincts that that Looney has defensively. So he's not going to be able to make him work in some ways. But physically, Dwight can can hang with him. Yeah, the series comes down to Dwight and, and it's just Maxie. Dwight Powell versus and, and Maxie Jokic. being a question mark is, is what worries me. The because shooting, again, I, I've, if Maxie was hitting shots, it's a whole different thing. They can't go small against him either. They you can't nope. go you can't no. go small. They have to Jokic. play two bigs. See, this is the thing about Jokic is that right. there are times where I think like Memphis is set to play against Denver because they can play Agreed. two capable bigs. You can take him off the glass, and I, I mean Denver. Uh, Denver is just with Jokic there and his ability to get defensive rebounds and turning it into points on the other end. That's where. You can't go small. As good as uh, an offensive rebounder as Dorian Finney-Smith is, Nikola Jokic is not going to be bothered by him crashing. Yeah. That is He's the one series and one opponent in the West more than any other where they would miss Porzingis a lot. Porzingis would help a lot in that series. And Porzingis always played Denver pretty well. Uh, you know, you still make the deal if you're Dallas, but that's the one where it hurts. And, you know, gosh, I really wonder if, in, you know – if they if they match up against Denver and they lose, you almost feel for this team because this would be what third year in a row we we're sitting there going the one opponent they shouldn't have drawn they drew. You know they play somebody other than the Clippers last year they probably go through they win they win a series. You know if they play, I think we're all confident they play Utah. I think we're very confident they play Minnesota. If they wind up with Denver, the one team out of those you don't want to playing that's just bad luck. It, you know? well, because they Donnie might Nelson. have a better player. That's Don thing, Nelson man. isn't even coaching Denver. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> man. But, but really, like, because Jokic might be the better player in the series. Yes, he is. I mean, Let I mean, he that. is the better. But I mean, like, for the series, Luka could outperform Jokic. Right. Like, they're close and enough. And you really like, have to rely on that. Like, like you would need you other would need, would have to play the series Luka. Luka. Not only yeah. that, but you would you would need... Rebounding, one too. Of the, like, you would need one of the role players to have a like a uh, second star sort of series. You would need, I don't know, Dorian Finney-Smith would have to average like 20 a game 
I think, or or Spencer Dinwiddie, or or someone. Right. You would have it's, to. It's, have it would someone... have to be Dinwiddie or Brunson, probably. Wait, yeah. Dave, so how would how would Denver would play defensively up. against? So against I mean, the they're they're going to blitz. That's what they do. They're going right. to get Jokic out high, and so this is an opportunity because they haven't the done offensive. that as much this season. But it's always been understood that is their That's preferred where defense and, and their they're saving Jokic's legs to some extent when they when they do more yep. passive drop coverage. And right? so yeah. they're and but but this year they've been better in their drop coverage and, and having him play center field. Again, I mentioned him blocking shots to to save to save games. But the truth is Jokic just turns it up when it's needed because they he fouls when he defends sometimes, right? Because he's a little bit slower than guys here and there. And so they turn it up when they need it and because they need him so much on the offensive end. And but I would I would playoffs, worry about Jokic fouling, getting Powell into foul trouble, well, and then Maxi not being the, reliable. That's that's what I think. That's well, the nightmare scenario. It's not. If, I if think Dwight can do an okay. Like in all the ways you described, I think Dwight can be okay. I, I think Dwight can hold up well enough that they could win that series if Dwight can give him thirty five minutes. I I fear that for foul trouble and other reasons. Like I just don't know if that's possible. If Dwight can dominate passing out of the short roll. If he can, if he can go run the pick and roll when they blitz Luca, if he can take the ball, take a dribble, and find a shooter right. or a cutter, that is the game right there. That's it. Can Dwight and, get four assists a game for a and series? Even if Maxi starts hitting again, like he is never right. been a short roll passer. Yeah, uh, I'd be really excited. Right now, not right now, to me, to me, like from a from a tactical nerd standpoint, Dallas and Denver would be like styles make fights, but I don't, I wouldn't even know how to call it because both of these teams are actually just having Luca and Jokic. It's there's two very unique players in how they, they just see the game and see the whole court. And I, I just think that we would get a chess match back and forth because eventually, like let's say game one, Dwight comes out and he is making all the reads out of the, out of the short roll. Cause Jokic is up they're blitzing Baskets open. Maybe he gets a few dunk. Like you know, maybe say he puts up twelve. Right. He's gonna have to do twelve rebounds. Like you're gonna need twelve rebounds from him a game, and then uh, four assists, which would just be incredible. So he would be somewhere around twenty to twenty four points responsible for himself. Man, if you told if you told the Dallas Mavericks, hey, Dwight Powell is gonna help create twenty four points, they would start booking hotels for the Western Conference Finals in Phoenix. <laughs> But, but that, that's like, kind of what it's going to take. If he take. does that at game one, like, like I feel like Denver then comes back They'll and adjust. challenges them with different routes. Like, yeah. different and reads. also, none of the, all of this is moot if somehow Michael Porter Jr. is healthy and Jamal Murray are healthy. Which I think at this point, Jamal's not coming back. Jamal's no, not coming back. No, I think they're banking on yeah. Porter. But, but, I don't, but if I don't Porter's think you, back, honestly, it's different. Then Jamal the sec- wouldn't even have time to get up to speed. It's Porter that's dangerous. Porter yeah. is the secondary player that fits right back in as long as he's making shots, if he's making shots, that's what scares you. It's the only and thing he's ever done in his life. That's the other big variable that, like, we've already outlined systematically why Denver is tricky. Not that the Mavericks can't win, but why they're no. tricky, a tricky opponent to play against. If they also, for whatever reason, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what forever reason. Like, Michael Porter Jr. obviously has been close to returning. Sorry, that was the worst way to describe that. Well, if for <laughs> whatever Porter reason, yeah. healthy, if for, yeah, yeah. for whatever reason, if I mean that has be been the Michael Porter Jr. story, yeah, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean look, a healthy. <laughs> you a just look at Michael. Denver. And it's like, why are you healthy, dude? What the God. hell? Where did this come from? What are you doing, man? What are you? What's your deal, bro? 
Uh, but no, I mean, this the is fully a- healthy Denver is what? Maybe the second scariest team in the West? Fully healthy Denver's horrifying to deal with. Next year, yeah. good luck with that, you know? So even if you get Porter back alongside what Jokic does, it's it's a nightmare. Uh, that's the team you do not want Dallas to play. Yeah. Point blank. Yeah. All right. This podcast is going far, far, far off the rails. And we're talking. No, this, we've talked this is for, the most I mean, no, on the rails podcast we've ever done. Because I <laughs> well, we've think, talked like we've talked for listen, eight minutes about a playoff series that we don't even think is the likeliest one, which is fantastic. I love it's talking cool. about this shit. But, um, um, you know, I would yeah, say this. I, I think that up? this is this is uh, a crucial sort of juncture, oddly, with two two weeks left in the season for this team, because they need to turn around what we've seen the last couple weeks, last three weeks, four weeks, honestly. I do think they need to solve some of the defensive issues now instead of trying to do it in the first round of the playoffs. And I'd, I mean, I'd like to see them get that three seed. I think that that should be the goal. I would like to see them push, get the three seed, win, win some games that you need to win, get that three seed. You at least need to be home court. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, they tried to do the whole, you know, game theory it out last year and work it to where they got their opponent. It, it didn't work. Just basketball karma, win your games, man. Win your the games, Clippers get your home court advantage, them. and just let the chips fall where they may. That's the only thing they can do. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think, I think, I think the three seed, you like really pushing. And also, the other thing I'll say is like Jason Kidd's philosophy, his entire everything he shared about the way that he is coaching this team, the way he now believes about coaching, which is. He was even talking today at, at practice how radically different he he has his mindset on coaching has changed, but the mindset is very clearly not one where he's gonna like game things out. He is gonna go every game and be like, "Let's try to win." And yes, they may rest. I love it. They may they may sneak some rest days in for players. That's different than saying we're going to like rest all three at once because the lost column says this. Like, yes, they should get in a little like there's a back to back coming up. The, the Lakers and uh, who's after that? Cleveland. They probably yeah. they probably should should sneak in a rest day for Luca or, or you know, Spencer will probably sit the second night of a back to back. So actually, Luca probably plays both. You don't you don't rest Luca and Spencer. They, maybe, the margins maybe. are too tight. He has to play the rest right. of the way. Right. Unless they're yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you just do. late. But, you know, yeah, maybe you just it, play them all the way through. The other thing is like you're not going to be in the plan. You've got that built-in period of rest. I do think Luca looks a little ragged, especially defensively right now. Uh, so that's something to watch. I, I think that's he's trying. He's he's not zoning out. I do think he's just a little slow and getting beat a little easily at times. Um, and I think I think uh, there's a there's a few reasons for the defensive slippage. I, I think that's a, a one of the reasons. But uh, he'll get rest. You've got that whole week of the play in. You let uh. Let the uh, the lowly seven through ten seeds fight it out, duke it out, enjoy watching them, and uh, just get some extra sleep in. And then uh, first two games are going to be at home, almost certainly. They're they're gonna they're gonna stay four. I feel pretty confident about that. But I agree, it's three seed. You got to go for the three seed. It makes the most sense. It sets you up very likely to get Utah, Minnesota, and if you get Denver, shrug your shoulders, and that's fine. And you try to beat them. And that's been the approach all season, and that that will continue. And if to Denver be, to be the approach. if Denver doesn't have Michael Porter Jr., man, uh, it's a much easier oh, series, right? They're 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 absolutely they're even beatable, beatable with him. They're just harder to plan against yeah. to beat than the other two, in my opinion. Yeah, and yeah. Next week, so also- next week, guys. I think we should talk about how you stop Boogie Cousins. 
<laughs> when he comes in for Jokic. Because again, see, this is like, I, I know this is a joke, but because I'm watching Denver right now and it's just like, oh yeah, because Boogie has actually been good too coming off the bench. Yeah. And now, so yeah, there is no reprieve anymore. I, I mean, certainly he's not the player that Jokic is, but uh, yeah, you, you're going to get work, buddy. there. Boban, I think- let's get him out there. Let's get Bobby out there. I actually, I said that on a pod this morning on one of a uh, Sam Emick's pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm like, there's like a tiny chance Boban would be would be a, a last ditch option. Maybe maybe not even last ditch. Again, it's it's not going to happen. It's 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 incredibly unlikely, but it's not for the vibes. Impossible. Get Boban out there for the vibes. It's not impossible. Yeah, everybody wants to go back to uh, to May 2021, huh? Yeah, yeah the best month of our lives. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. See ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Doncic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go home! (laughs) It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. (laughs) Woo!